have courage. If you've got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to read from verse 22. Okay, this message is for those that have been baptized. Who's been baptized today? Just put your hand up quickly. Yep, at the back, one, two, three. Are you getting baptized again? You two even listening to me? <laughs> Frank put his hand up. He's like, what, what are we doing? What's going on? <laughs> cool. So for you guys that are getting baptized, and I just want to share with you right now, okay? You may be here right now for the very, very first time. You may have come in your absolute best clothing that you've, you've got. You may have been ironing and never knew what an iron was until this day, Okay. But I want to just say to you that if anything happens today in your heart, in your life, that just says, I think I want to do that, you can. We have spare clothes, brand new spare clothes, okay, not used clothes, okay? But we have clothes. There's nothing stopping you. If you feel like, man, I want to follow my mate in that pool, or I want to do what my friend's doing, or my, whatever your relative is, or whatever it is, the opportunity is here. Do not let something stop you today. There's nothing here. We've done everything. We've got a whole cupboard prepared. For people, okay? So they can, they can get in the pool. We've even got flip-flops. How amazing is that? Okay, so, so if you're here and you're just, as God um, has been maybe ministering to you through this time, or maybe even through this message, if God does speak to your heart, just know that there's an opportunity here for you to start that journey too, okay? I'm going to say that now, just so that you can just relax, okay? And, um, and, and, and just know. Cool. Matthew 14 from verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Contrary means hostile, um, antagonistic, violent. It was a violent wind, a violent um, wind that was causing a storm, that was causing the waves to attack um, the boat that they were in. Now, I looked this up, okay, so this is actually quite uh, regular for this sea. So this sea, during um, about May and October, there was usually storms that would happen, okay? And, I, and just in this little bit, I just felt like God was wanting to say to someone, that storms are seasonal, not continuous, okay? So you might be in a storm. You might be in something that's just surrounding you. You're getting pulled left, right, and center, but they are not continuous. They are seasonal. There will be an end to it. It will come to an end. So if you're in a season right now, you're in a, a moment right now where you're like, is there any way out of this? I'm going to let you know right now, yes, there is. Yeah, it's going to end. It will come to an end the storm is for a season, not forever. This storm will pass. Storms are not pleasant. They are violent. They throw us, they throw, throw us about. They make us feel disconnected. They discourage us. They isolate us. And they make us feel like everything is coming crashing down yeah, upon us. That there's just, what, like, is, is there any way out of this? That suddenly you just can't, you're suffocating. This is what storms can do to us. Life storms can hit us hard. Maybe you're in one right now. Maybe you've been in one recently. But get this. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. 
Now, in another version of the story, there's three versions of the story. There's four Gospels written about this three times. Um, but in Mark's version, he says, He saw them straining at rowing for the wind, for the wind was against them. Jesus could see them. Storms exist, yeah? Life storms exist. Is that right? Just me? Is it just me that has bad, yeah? Yeah? Life storms exist, yeah? But Jesus sees you. Yeah, life storms exist. You may be straining in your storm, but Jesus sees you. He sees you. You are not alone. He can see you in your storm. He can see, see that you're straining. He can see that you're struggling. You are not abandoned. It sometimes feels like it, but you're not abandoned. And he's on his way. He sees you. You're not alone. And he's on his way. Say to you, not the person next to you, this is a new one, okay? Say to you, I'm not alone. Jesus sees me. Now say it like you're rapping to yourself. I'm not alone. Jesus sees me. Yeah? I'm not alone. So many people believe that they're alone. So many people believe that there is no hope. So many people believe that they've been abandoned. But you need to know Jesus has never, ever abandoned you. You are not alone. You may be abandoned by others. You may have been rejected by others. You may have been discarded by others. You may have been spoken over in such negative ways by others. But you are not alone. Jesus sees you. Even in the storm, even when you're straining, even when it feels like you're just about to sink, Jesus sees you. You're not alone. And He's on his way. Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Okay. When God is moving in your life, at first, it can look way worse than it actually is. Yes, yeah? so you're already in a storm. Yeah, it can't get much worse than that. And now a ghost pops up. Yeah? Like... We're drowning, and now there's a ghost floating on the sea. Yeah? <laughs> Great. Thanks, God. I thought I was praying for Jesus to come and help me, and you sent, you know, Slimer or something, if, you know, if you're in the 80s, you know what that means. Okay. <laughs> it's four people. Yep, I got that one. <laughs> like, seriously, God, I'm at the end of everything, and now... What is this? You're just going to add to my problems? You're going to add to my issues? Let's put this in context. We're caught in a storm, yeah? Life is hard. It looks like it's the end of the world. It looks like everything's come crashing down. Then there's a knock at the door, yeah? And you're like, just, I just want to wallow in peace. I want to just, life's going to end. I just want it to end. Just whoever it is, just get lost, yeah? Perhaps we're short. In paying bills. Maybe we're falling behind in, in, in our finances. And the mail comes through the post. And every time the mail comes through the post, there's that red letter. And you're just like, oh, this too? Yeah? You're already in a storm. And now you're like, oh, more mail? Someone knocking on the door? Maybe you've been diagnosed with a sickness. And every time the phone rings to give you an update, it's always more bad news. And the phone is ringing. The mail's come through. There's a knock at the door. We have programmed ourselves to expect the worst. Do you know that? 
And I'm not talking about anyone that's coming here and doesn't know anything about church or Jesus. Christians do this. We have set ourselves up to program ourselves to expect the worst. Who loves Jesus? Who's got Jesus in their life? Has Jesus saved you? Yeah? So if Jesus has saved you and he's rescued you, that was really British. I don't know what happened there, but we were like... like but anyway, it's totally like a school there, primary school. But if Jesus is in your life and he's transformed you, yeah? People in this room have been set free from addiction by the power of God, yeah? So if God has done something in your life, people who have been set free from rejection and pain and hurt caused by others. People that thought they could never ever be in a relationship with someone because of someone that, something that someone else had done to them are married with children now. God can change everything. Jesus can come in and turn everything around. But despite the fact that he can do that, we can still be in a storm and we can still doubt God. Yeah, we can still be in the storm and still be like, oh, well, it's only going to get worse. He'll just add it on. Oh, great. Now there's a ghost. Brilliant. As if we're not scared enough. We programmed ourselves to believe in the worst. Maybe with good reason. Maybe things have happened to us. Maybe we've got to that state where it's just the way that we have decided. But when you go through that mail, there's a check from someone anonymous. When you open the door, it's just a neighbor coming around just to check on you and say that you're loved and bring you some food, like a casserole or something. Don't you love a casserole? But when you actually pick up that phone, it's actually a doctor that's confused because they've looked at your diagnosis the week before and now they can't see anything on the chart. And before you think that's just crazy, there are people in this room where that's happened. Where doctors have gone. They're almost disappointed that they can't tell you you've still got cancer. Because it's not on their chart anymore. It's not on the scans, it's not on the x-rays. And when we walk into those hospitals for those appointments, or we walk in, pick up that phone sometimes, or we pick up the mail... And we're thinking, oh, no, not more. How about we start believing that there's a God that's standing right next to you, that's arrived into your situation, and he knows he's seen you straining, and he's turning up. He sees you, and he's on his way. How about we learn how to reprogram ourselves, that even in the storm, we must know, we must know, Jesus sees me and he's on his way. So why is it going to, why would I not even expect it to change? I'm expecting it to change. There are people that I know that will say, I believe that if I think for the worst scenario, I can't be disappointed. And I think, wow, that's miserable. What a miserable way to live. I'm not going to be disappointed if I think the worst thing. There's a scripture in, Bible, in the Bible that talks about sowing and reaping. If you sow negativity into you, you will breed negativity over you. Believe that there is a God that loves you, sees you, and is on his way. And he always will be. It doesn't matter if your storm this time is worse than the last one. It doesn't matter if it's something new. He knows more than you what you're going through. He sees you. 
and he's on his way. Know that God, know that Jesus is going to turn up in the worst situations, in the toughest of times, Jesus will turn up. Just hang on, hang on a little bit longer. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. Yeah, he did. They're in a storm. They're like, we're going to die. Great, there's a ghost. Oh no, the ghost is speaking to us. What's he saying? Cheer up. Hmm. <laughs> this is Jesus' first words to them. It's a ghost, yeah? Ah! It's okay, it's all going to be all right. We're in a storm, a tempest, and we're about to die, and the ghost is telling us it's going to be Okay. Jesus doesn't introduce himself straight away. Do you think that would be helpful? Sometimes Jesus is in your scenario, but he hasn't made it obvious that he's there. But he's there. He won't always come in and say, it's me. But after the fact, we go, it was him. How many people have done that? It was him. Oh, wow, he was there. But the Greek word for be of good cheer means to have courage. Like you're high-fiving everyone earlier. Have courage. Have courage. Oh, man. Do you know those cheesy, smiley, irritating Christians? Don't look at them. <laughs> Everyone's looking at the ground now like, oh. <laughs> you know those irritating people that when you're like, oh, really, just really sucks. Life sucks. And they're like, come on, have courage. Come on, be of good cheer. Come on. Oh, shut up. You know you want to punch him in the face? Again, don't look at him. You know when there's people that are just full of God and they're just saying, come on, you can do this. Come on, pick yourself up. You can do this. Have the courage. Stand in the storm, but have courage. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And we think they don't know us. They don't know what I'm going through. They don't know what I'm facing. But actually, they're quoting Jesus. Don't attack those that are giving you the words you need to hear. Because sometimes we have to hear something we don't want to hear. Anyone? Yeah? We've been there. I've been there. We always will be there. There'll be times where we're doing something and someone say, no, come on. We don't want to hear it because we want to do whatever we we're going to do. We want to wallow in whatever we want to wallow. But if someone's coming along to you and saying, be of good cheer, Jesus says these words at least eight times in the Gospels. He says things like to a blind guy, be of good cheer, have courage. Oh, thanks very much. Then he says, you're healed. Have courage. It's going to be okay. What do you mean I'm blind? Well, I haven't finished yet. But I'm just starting with have courage. Courage. Those that are getting baptized, have courage. Jesus hasn't finished yet. This is just the start, yeah? You're going to be starting the journey with him. Have courage. Be encouraged. Next time people come up to you and say, come on, have courage. Be of good cheer. Cheer up. There's more. Jesus is here. Jesus is on his way. Don't kick them to the curb. Maybe react differently and say, do you know what? For a moment, you're right. I 
took my eyes off Jesus. Everyone loves a pity party, yeah? You know when you want to be miserable? We, you know it, come on. Yeah, there's five of us, but we're all together. <laughs> when, when something happens and you just want to dwell in it a bit longer, and I want to feel sorry for myself, yeah? We all love a pity party. I just want to see it. But you don't have to. I know. I know I don't. Give me more marshmallows and cream, spray cream, and hot chocolate and movies that are going to make me sad. Yeah? <sighs> we love to be in a pity party, but the truth is it's not healthy for us. It's not good for us. So when someone says, come on, let's get out, have courage. Jesus is with you. We should be like, oh, yeah, he is. He is with us. Because he sees me even in the storm, and he's on his way. So he's either on his way, which is great, or he's even already here. Then Jesus says, it is I. Do not be afraid. Thanks, Jesus. Start with that next time. Yeah? That's how God works. He shows up. He turns up. You don't even know it's him. Until after. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Now, there are many interpretations for this story. Um, I'm not going to be able to add to it any more or less or anything like that. But I, I just saw something in Scripture this, this week that just made me go, oh, that's interesting. So I'm going to give you my take on it, not, you know, what I think um, or what I think it's saying. But Matthew's account is the only account where he actually mentions Peter. Now, we probably know why John didn't mention Peter because they, like, they were rivals, you know. So he's like, he's not going to say, like, oh, yeah, by the way, my mate walked on water. He's not going to let, he's not going to want anyone to know that. He, he wrote, John wrote in there that he, Peter beat, that he beat Peter in a race. Yeah. So, so John and Peter, so John isn't definitely, I don't know, I don't know why Mark wouldn't have done it, but Matthew is the only one that writes in the scripture about Peter walking on the water. So, so it's sometimes when you can look at the, how it's written, you can see that there's differences. And there's a difference in the way some of the things have been written here. So there's a difference between with regards to how Jesus walked and how Peter walked. And I believe there's a lesson in, in us for this, but particularly for you guys that are getting baptized or those that have recently come to Jesus or those that maybe will start a journey with Jesus soon. You need to know this. I believe there's an understanding within this that we can know why Peter sank and Jesus didn't. Because people would be like, oh, it's just because it's Jesus. But why? Why not Jesus? Why Peter? So in verse 25, it says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea... They were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. What was Jesus walking on? The sea. Is that what I read out? Did I say water? He walked on the sea. 
And it says the word for sea, the Greek word is uh, thalassa. And then, for those that are new, okay, the Bible was originally written, obviously not in English, okay? So it was written in Greek and it was written in Hebrew and then translated into English as best it can be for us to understand. What we can do for us to understand it better, because things can get lost in translation, is we can go back to the Greek or go back to the Hebrew and we can say, oh, what does it look like? Which is what I'm doing with you guys right now. So just in case you're thinking, why are we talking about Greek right now? So Jesus walked on the sea. That's what it says. That's what it was written. That was what was written in Greek originally. And then in verse 28, it says, And then Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to walk, come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Water in the Greek means hudor. What's the difference? What's the difference between walking on the sea and walking on the water? If there's a difference in scripture, there's a reason why it's written. Because it's, e- it's easier for it just to be all brought together under the same title, sea or water. It doesn't really matter. If you look up sea, you look up water, it means sea, it means water, okay? So why is there a difference between these two words? Well, in Revelation 13, verse 1, it says this. So the Revelation is a book written um, of a vision of what is to happen, what is coming, okay? And it says, I stood upon the sand of the sea, which is the same Greek word used for what Jesus walked on. And he saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Basically, it's the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to come out of the sea, okay? So he's not going to be a merman or a mermaid, okay? So it's not talking about an actual sea. It means, well, what does the sea mean? Well, later on in Revelation, I think chapter 15, it explains that the sea is the body of people. It means out of people, out of authority, out of government will come the Antichrist, which is why many, many scholars believe that the Antichrist, when he comes in the future, will be a political person. Because he'll come out of the authority of the people, and the authority of the people is through the government. So when you start realizing that sea, actually, according to God, has a different meaning to just the waves that you see down at Clevedon or whatever, yeah? is actually to mean it means authority. It means a, a, a body of people, a people that will have authority to make those decisions so that out of those people, evil can come. Out of, out of that authority, evil can come. So Jesus is walking on the sea and Peter walked on the water. I'm getting somewhere with this. I just had to do the intro first. The sea is a representation of the authority in which the enemy comes from and rules. It's from people that evil can rise. Has anyone had evil happen to them through thin air? <laughs> Caught you out. He's like, yep. He was like, he's like, has anyone ever really received the things that have happened to them, the worst things, through people? It's true. It's okay. Don't look at them in the eye either. Okay. The truth is evil comes from people. Good comes from people too, but evil comes from people. We can be hurt. We can be discarded. We can be rejected. People can cause us pain. People can abuse us. Out of the authority, out of the people comes evil. 
Jesus walks on the sea because Satan, his schemes, and the authority is all under Jesus' feet. Everything is under him. When you come to Jesus, you gain that same authority. But we know, if you know the story, this is a real-time story, yeah? Peter's not there yet. If you know Peter's story, you know that he runs from God. He does not quite committed to God the way that he should be. He gets there, but in this moment, he doesn't understand about authority, which is why he walks on water, not the sea. Peter did walk on water. But we can all get so far in our own strength, can't we? I think we can all start something that can seem pretty amazing in our own strength. But when we go on and we keep going on, what will happen? We will sink. At some point, if we start something in our own power, in our own self-righteousness, in our own kind of way of doing things, we will sink. Now, you can choose to be a person who walks on the water or a person that walks on the sea. That which had an authority over you, perhaps a mistake of the past, a bad relationship, an abusive situation, maybe your own negative voice, maybe rejection, perhaps things said over you by others, you can trade all that in today to receive Jesus into your life you will receive that authority to stand on the sea, to stand on the authorities that once had power over you, they will now be under you. Jesus says this in Luke 10, verse 18 to 21. He says, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you, he's talking to the disciples, the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. You know, people that think they know best. People that think they've got all the answers, yeah? Jesus says, I thank you that you've hidden it from them, but you've revealed it to these babes. Turn to the person next to you and say, stay a babe. If I've set you up for marriage, you can thank me later. Okay. <laughs> stay a babe. What do I mean by that? That doesn't mean stay immature. What it means is remain teachable. Always allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and run with Jesus. Stay a babe. Jesus is rejoicing. Why? Because they came back from mission, these guys. And they were like, your name works. We say Jesus. Things change. We did it. We prayed in the name of Jesus and people were healed. People were saved. People were set free. And, and they come back and then Jesus says, yes, I'm so glad that you've got it. Don't praise the miracles. Don't praise even the fact that you have authority, but rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven. How cool is that? How amazing is it that Jesus, after this conversation with these guys, is like, oh, wow, they get it. 
Wow! What an incredible thing. And I want to say to you young people that have given your life to Jesus, those that are maybe in that place that are trying to think about doing it, I want you to know that Jesus is rejoicing because you get it. And three weeks ago, two weeks ago, four weeks ago, whenever you guys came to the Lord, you didn't. People are coming in and to the kingdom of God and they're like, I don't know if I even want to know anything about this. And then they're getting it. And no one's forcing them. No one's making them. God, the Holy Spirit is moving in their hearts and they're getting it. And Jesus is like, they get it. Oh, wow. I've been trying to reach a people for so long and they've turned it into religion. They've turned it into, into rituals and, 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 and they've made it not about me. And they, they, just, they made it all about noise and big words. But there's people coming to the Lord right now that just get it. And Jesus is like, they get it. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, they get it. How amazing is it? You're going to hear some testimony later when these guys get baptized. You're going to be blown away by what you hear because these guys didn't even know Jesus that long ago. But they get it. That's what God is doing. So remain a babe. Stay a babe. Stay a babe and walk on the sea. I want to say that to you guys that are getting baptized. God is giving you an authority to stand over that which was, that which has controlled you, that which has dictated to you. And he's going to say to you, from this day, I want you to know I've given you an authority to trample it under your feet. What was over you is now under you. So when you get in that water, and I'll explain a little bit about that in a minute, but when you get in that water, you need to know that you are being given an authority to leave what was behind, what was said behind, what you did behind, what was done to you behind. Nearly finished. Basically, just a quick, Jesus pulls Peter out of the sea, get in the boat, the storm stops, happy ending. We're going to we're going to skip a bit. We're going to, well, we're actually not going to skip. We're going to go back. So we're going to go back to verse 25, okay? It says this. Now in the fourth watch, the night of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now the fourth watch is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So basically at night, they would split it into four watches, three, three hours in between. And this was the fourth one, the final one. Jesus meets them in this moment and he shows them that, they, that he has the authority that he can pass on to us so that we don't walk on water and sink, but we walk on the sea and we conquer. Yeah? That what was over us is under us. So Jesus comes at the fourth watch and he turns up on the sea and he says, look, look, I'm showing you how to walk on water. You're missing it right now, but you'll get it eventually. But but you're, I'm going to show you how to walk on water, which is actually I have all authority. This is Jesus. I have all authority to walk on the sea because I know that I have conquered it. But you don't know that I've conquered it yet. That's why Peter tries it, gets a little bit, but sinks. He doesn't know that authority yet. I wonder if Peter went and tried it after. So I want to say this to you first of all, that which has been controlling you, 
dictating to you, abusing you, that evil that was spoken over you, those mistakes that you made, that is a sign of an authority it has over you, yeah? Those things can dictate the kind of person you're going to be and who you are. Oh, that's how I've always been told I'm like that. Oh, I'm rejected. Nobody loves me. Yeah, we let these things be spoken over us or these things that have been done to us or even I've made so many mistakes, there's no chance that God can save someone like me, okay? We get into these places, but you need to know that in Christ, when Jesus comes into your life, you get given authority to trample all that underfoot, to keep it below you, and it never needs to rise up again. Now turn to Exodus 14, verse 21. And I want to just finish with this. Exodus 14, verse 21. Now Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back to a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and, dry, and waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea, and dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud, and he troubled, and the, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty, and the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them. And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Can I have uh, Rob, please, on the keys? Um, so what is baptism? What's the point of baptism? Well, Jesus died for you. Jesus took your place. You should, you should have taken the punishment of death. We all deserve it. We all fall short. There is a God that created you, a creator God. It's facts. You might not believe it, but it's a fact. You search it, you'll find it. He, there is a God that created you, and he loves you so much. But we as people are born into this world and we neglect and we reject our creator and we live a life that says that basically says like I, I, I don't I'm not interested or maybe we just don't know I mean at the end of the day God has been taken out of our schools out of our government so people don't even know that he even exists but the truth is if we're not going to acknowledge that there is a savior if we're not going to acknowledge that we need saving if we're not even going to acknowledge that there's a creator that made us, we deserve death. We deserve to die. Why? Because of our sin. Because we mess up. Because we fall short of God. God is a perfect, holy God. And he loves you so much. And he wants to have a relationship with you. But our sin gets in the way. And Jesus made a decision to come down and take your place. And he hung on a cross after being beaten 50 times, nearly 50 times, one short of 50. 50 would have killed a man. And he had to carry his cross through the streets of Jerusalem. He was hung on that cross 
nailed to that cross as a sacrifice. Because he was innocent, he did nothing wrong. It meant that he could pay your price. And all you need to do is accept the trade. All you need to do is say, I don't want to face God, and you will, one day, and have to come with my effort and my righteousness and my good works because it won't be enough to pay your way in. And all you need to do is give all that, which is not a lot, to God and accept his righteousness, his love, and his blood that has purchased your salvation. And today, you can receive that salvation. Today, you can accept Jesus into your life. Today, you can do what these guys are doing, which is to say, I'm going for it. I'm going to start a journey with God. Maybe you've come to church for the very first time. But it doesn't matter. The first time I walked into a church, I thought, what is this crazy place? And I ended up giving my life to Jesus at the end of it because I knew that I needed it. I needed Jesus. So what is baptism? Baptism is the symbol of us saying, I want to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. But I'm going to get baptized, which is what God, Jesus himself did. And he says, you do it too, which is a symbol of that decision. But it's a lot more than just a symbol, okay? There's a lot more than just a symbol. It's not just a, a, a thing that we say, oh, that was lovely. It means something. It has power. It's not magic, but there's power in the decision for those that are getting baptized today. So what happened here with Egypt is that, is that the Israelites have been in slavery for years and years. God says, I want them out. So God rescues them from Egypt. Now, Egypt is a representation of the world. God wants to rescue you from the world. You've been trying everything your way. You try to do things your way. You try to follow God, uh, try to follow your own path and not God. You try to align yourself in trying to work hard. And if I work hard, then I'll get more attention. If I work hard, people might recognize me. If I, if I just do this, maybe they'll love me. You've tried everything you can and nothing is fulfilling your life. I know it because I lived it. Nothing satisfied. And Egypt is a representation of that. Israel is a representation of the people of God coming out of that world. People choosing to exit slavery, exit that way of living. But get this, this is what is significant about baptism is God says in that verse, he says, uh, or in, in um, Exodus it says, now it came to pass in the morning watch, in the morning watch. When's the morning watch start? 6 p.m., 6 a.m. So between 3 a.m., and 6 a.m. Jesus is walking on the sea and he's letting you know, if you come to me, I will give you an authority over your past, over your enemies, over what was said, over what was done. I will give you an authority. But at 6 a.m., he is going to crush your enemies under the water. So when you guys get baptized today, if you've been bullied at school, maybe you've been being made fun of you can leave that in the water God is going to let the water crash down upon the enemy if you've been hurt abandoned rejected 
God is going to crush that in the water. At the moment you go into that water, the moment you go down, you can choose to leave it there. And you come back up a new creation. That's what the word says. The old has gone and the new has come. And the opportunity is there. For those getting baptized, I want you to hear this. I don't know what's been said over you. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what you've done. There may be some bad things you've done. There may be things that, bad things that were done to you. But if you choose today not to carry that into your walk with God, but to leave it in the water, you will be free and you will be free indeed. That you can let go, you can forgive, you can hand over and you can heal. And you can leave it in the water. God will bring the water down upon the enemy and he will set your feet on the rock and that rock will give you the authority to walk over the things that once were over you. This is what Jesus does. If you've been rejected, abused and hurt, God says, I can heal you. I can restore you. And those people, those words no longer have to have any power over you so can we stand and I'm going to give people an opportunity here today to start a, a relationship with Jesus to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord if you're not ready for baptism today that's cool do you know what I mean there's no problem but the op opportunity and the invite will be there at the end of this prayer so if you think yeah actually I think I want to do it then um, come and speak to us we can sort you out but I want to give you the opportunity to make a commitment to Jesus today. A chance to say, I'm going to leave the past behind. I'm not going to let it dictate to me anymore. Some people will say, I'll come to God when I've sorted stuff out. Well, that will never happen because you can't sort it out. You've been trying to sort it out and it ain't working. Yeah? But you need to make a decision. Okay, God, I'm going to give my life to you and I'm going to let you sort it out. So I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. The prayer is not magic. It's just a prayer I put together to make it easy because sometimes we don't know how to pray, particularly if we're starting a journey with Jesus. So I'm going to pray this prayer. Everyone in this room that knows Jesus is going to pray it too. So if you pray it for the first time, you're going to pray to receive Jesus into your life. Okay, you're going to make that commitment, make that decision to accept Jesus into your life. You say these words too. Okay, you say it to God. You're not saying it to anyone here. You're saying it to God. It's between you and God. Say these words with us. And we're going to give you the opportunity to, to come to Jesus today, to make that decision to follow Jesus. So you're going to pray with me? No? Okay, anyone praying with me? Yeah? Any believers going to pray with me? Right, okay. There we go. Let the people know that want to pray this prayer for the first time that you're with them. Are you with them? Yeah, brilliant. Great. Okay, thank you. I thought it was everyone I left for a minute. <laughs> So I'm just going to pray this, then you repeat, okay. Father God, please forgive me for ignoring you and doing things my way. I choose today to turn from my old ways and now want to live a life following your Bible. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross and defeating death that I could have eternal life. I call on your name and ask, please come into my life that I would be saved. And Holy Spirit, I ask, will you come and fill me that I would never be the same again?
Amen. Now I'm going to say these words to you. Have courage. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, will you do something really brave? Will you have courage? Will you just put your hand in the air and say, I prayed that prayer. I made that decision. I want to follow Jesus. Just put your hand up. It's okay. Don't worry about the person next to you. Amen. 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 Just keep your hand up for just a little bit longer so someone can come and just pray with you, give you a Bible. Just keep it. That's it until someone comes. Don't, don't let the enemy stop what he's doing in your life. If he's speaking to your heart, don't worry about the person next to you. Don't think, oh my gosh, this is going to make me look so uncool. No, Jesus is very cool. Okay. So the opportunity is there to set and make that decision to follow Jesus. So if that's you, if you put your hand up, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Someone's just going to come and pray with you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So cool. So good to see so many people coming to Jesus. Amen.